Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we can uh, come to the ancient uh, words. Lord, we don't want to hear uh, the words of men uh, that are passing away. Uh, Oh Lord, we need to hear that ancient word that is ever true, the word that changes us, transforms us as your Holy Spirit takes that word and applies it to us. And so Lord, we pray that Uh, Again, by your grace and mercy, you would do that amazing work today, Lord. We don't understand it, but we know you've promised that this is the case, that your word does not uh, go out from you and uh, not accomplish its purpose. It always does. And so we pray that even today, you would accomplish your great and wonderful and perfect purpose in our hearts. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there are always uh, certain foods uh, that we like better than others. I'm sure you would agree with me. Sometimes there are foods uh, we didn't like when we were younger and uh, we enjoy when we're older. Uh, for me, this was, uh, this was my experience with Brussels sprouts. Um, no, as a child, in fact, well, I won't tell you this story, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't good when I was forced to eat a Brussels sprout when I was younger. Uh, cabbage. Uh, sweet potatoes, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. But now that I'm older, I'm going to be 50 soon, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm older now, so I, I like these things, Brussels sprouts and, and cabbage and sweet potatoes. And sometimes there are foods we enjoyed when we were younger and no longer enjoy now that we are older. Did any of you ever buy, uh, uh, when I was little, we would buy something called a lick Ever heard of a lick I grew up in Canada. It was a candy stick. A uh, solid candy stick that you would dip in candy powder and then lick it and lick it and lick it. And, um, and so that's why I have all these cavities um, in, my, in my mouth. But uh, you, you, I don't like those anymore. Um, and sometimes we lose our taste for food altogether. And then there are the foods we crave, we desire, foods we long for. And uh, so this morning, we want to talk about your appetite. Christians, we find out in 1 Peter, are strangers in the world, uh, but chosen of God and precious to him. We find out uh, that Christians are persecuted and often have to suffer in the world, but they have uh, received grace and salvation and they have a joy unspeakable uh, that transcends any trial they face. Uh, We've also found out uh, that those Christians who've received grace and salvation uh, bear fruit in their life. There's holiness of life. There's fear of God. 
And there's love for the brothers, a sincere, genuine love. And we found out that all of that exists because the word has been preached to us, the good news has come to us of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has used that word as his instrument, uh, and we've been born again. And that living and abiding word, the Bible says, is imperishable and dwells within us. And so all these things are true of us. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, the word good there in 1 Peter 2.3 means kind or gracious. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is kind and the Lord is gracious. Peter's saying this morning in this passage, if we've tasted of the Lord's goodness and grace, we will desire more of that grace. If we've tasted that the Lord is good, we will desire, he says, the pure spiritual milk of the Word of God. And if we have been born again of that imperishable seed, which is the Word of God that lives and abides forever, then we will seek to grow by the Word which God gives us as our food. But verse 3 of our passage this morning uh, starts with that word if. It really means since uh, or now. Uh, since you have tasted that the Lord is good, or now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. It is assumed to be true uh, of the Christian. Uh, if you've tasted, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good and kind and gracious. And so these verses that we're looking at this morning will speak then of a special group of people who have tasted something and also uh, of the consequences for those who have had that taste. So first of all, uh, what is the apostle referring to when he speaks of this tasting? If indeed, verse 3, you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now the taste here is meant, uh, no doubt, doubtless, a, a spiritual tasting of faith of trusting in the Lord. It's a really wonderful thing when you think about it, and you can do a study of this sometime, how faith in the Scripture is actually in all the senses. The Bible draws on all the senses uh, as uh, word pictures of what faith in Jesus Christ is all about. So, for instance, it is sight. Psalm 34, 5 says, uh, Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be Ashamed. Often we're told to look to Jesus. Faith is also hearing in the Bible. Isaiah 55, 3. Incline your ear, says the Lord, and come to me, hear, that your soul may live. Uh, faith is also smelling in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Faith is smelling. Faith is also touch. After his resurrection, Jesus said, of course, to the disciples, touch me and see. And you remember um, uh, the woman who suffered from bleeding simply, simply in, the, in the crowd trying to get to Jesus to, just to touch him in faith and be healed. Um, and the Bible also speaks of faith by tasting. Psalm 119.103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And of course, Jesus said, Unless you eat 
the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, all those images, and especially here of tasting, tells us that there's some kind of, there's some kind of inward and spiritual apprehension or grasping of the sweetness and the preciousness of Christ and his grace and his kindness and his goodness. And so in all these ways, seeing, hearing, smelling, touching, tasting, the experience of Christian faith is meant to show us uh, the wonders and depths and riches of what it means to believe in Christ. Faith is hearing. We hear the voice of God, not with the outward ear, ear alone, but with the inward ear. We hear it as God's word and we believe it to be so. That's the hearing of faith. We look with our eyes upon the truth and we understand it. We see the Savior in the pages of Scripture as we read the Gospels. We see with the eyes of faith all that He is and all that He's done and what it means. And that's the seeing of faith. He is who He says He is. We see it. And we find that the knowledge of Christ is the sweet smell of life to us. We don't push it away. It is sweet smelling to us. We are drawn to it. And we're called upon to lay hold of Christ, to receive Christ with empty hands, and that is faith in its touch. But beyond that comes, the Bible says, the enjoyment, the peace, the delight, the communion with Christ, which is faith in its tasting of the goodness and kindness of the Lord. Now, how do we get at this? Well, in what ways does faith taste that the Lord is good? Well, I know our children here enjoy the snacks and the sweets and the juice after the service. Um, I usually don't see any of the snacks because by the time I get there, all the sweet stuff's gone and I shouldn't be eating it anyway, but, but that's okay. Um, but I know the children enjoy the sweets. So let's imagine this morning that we had a new cookie out on the table, out back there, oh boy, a new cookie. It's big. Um, and um, no one's ever had one before. And you ask somebody, well, is it any good, this cookie on the table? And they say, well, it looks good. I've, I've heard others tell me uh, it's good. Mm, it, smells, uh, it smells good. Oh, and it feels, you shouldn't do this, kids, but it feels good. It feels good. But then you ask that person, well, but um, is it any good? And, and, and then you tell them, yeah, it tastes great. And then they say to you, well, have you ever had one? And you have to admit, um, well, no. Well, that person doesn't really know what they're talking about, of course. We can't talk about taste by guessing. We can't talk about what something tastes like by simply imagining what it tastes like. We can't talk about what we hope it will taste like or what it should taste like. How will we ever know what that cookie or meal tastes like? We have to, we have to eat it ourselves, don't we? We have to experience the taste by eating and drinking ourselves. Now, friends, in a much more profound way, think about this. We cannot speak of the Lord's grace and goodness and kindness unless we have tasted of that grace and goodness and kindness ourselves. When we've actually put our faith and our, our trust in the Lord and experienced that blessing ourselves, that is tasting. Now, we can try... We may get some words right now and again. We may think we know a lot about the grace of God and the kindness of the Lord, but we don't really know that Lord and we don't really know His grace until we have, in fact, tasted of His goodness and known that grace in our life. 
So what does it mean to taste that the Lord is good, friends? It is faith that knows the delight and pleasure and satisfying contentment of being wrapped up in the grace of God as revealed to us in Jesus Christ. In other words, it is, it is to be uh, reading 1 Peter and to read 1 Peter 1 and uh, have our heart respond as you have read that 1 Peter 1 and have your heart respond, that's me. That's me. I know this. I've experienced this grace. Salvation and kindness of the Lord. I read myself here because I've tasted that the Lord is good. It's something more than simply believing Christ to be precious. It is knowing and living out of that preciousness because we've experienced the preciousness ourselves. I've tasted that the Lord is good. And here's the thing. To taste that the Lord is good gives evidence of life within. This is what Peter's concerned about in these first three verses of chapter 2. By nature, uh, the things of the Lord are repulsive to us. They don't taste good. Um, When I was growing up in a Dutch home, there was nothing my mother loved more for a birthday uh, or a Christmas gift uh, than a great big jar of pickled herring. Uh, That was her joy for birthday or Christmas. She grew up in the Netherlands, in Zeeland, And there was nothing she loved more than a great big jar of pickled herring, and it always grossed out the kids. And uh, because she would take one of those pickled herrings out of the jar, and, and, you know, up it would come, and and, uh, she would call it slubbery. That gives you some of the idea. And then... The Dutch also have a candy. It's called uh, zout, zout a drop. It's licorice. Ooh, tastes good, sounds good. Uh, they have uh, zout, and they have double zout and triple zout. Sounds like a nice candy. And uh, while the things of the Lord are to a spiritually dead person, the same as a triple zout droppy is to a non-Dutch person. That is, you spit it out. <laughs> triple zout means triple salt. It's a candy that is, uh, has triple the amount of salt you find in any other candy. And... Uh, you spit it out. It's really fun, actually, to give a droppy to someone who's not Dutch. Just, just, that's just an aside for you. Um, see what happens. They may take it once, but never again. Men by nature find no delight in Jesus. And man by nature is dead in trespasses and sins. We know that. The dead cannot taste anything. The best foods will not arouse the appetite of the dead. You know, sometimes when you're terribly sick and not feeling well, maybe you had COVID or something, or you're pregnant, and uh, you know what it is to smell food? Oh, kind of, it makes you uh, more sick. It doesn't stir your appetite. But the Bible says we are not just sick in sin, we're dead in sin, and no amount of chocolate or ice cream is going to raise us to get up and taste the food. And likewise, no one can taste of Christian of of Christ and his goodness in his natural state, he must be born again. And here's the thing, what Peter's saying. If you or I know Christ to be precious, if we know Christ to be gracious, uh, if we have tasted that the Lord is good, uh, he is kind, and he is gracious, we may be sure that we are alive through the Holy Spirit. We may not be able to say when the Spirit of God worked upon our heart or the day or the hour, but the only thing that matters is that life itself is there, and the question is, do we enjoy Christ? Do we taste and see He's good and kind 
and gracious. Remember the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To see that He's good and kind and gracious. Ask yourself, do you enjoy God? Are we tasting the Lord is good? Now here's the thing. If then, that's the last part of these three verses. If indeed, you've tasted that the Lord is good. And if we tasted that the Lord is good, uh, we've received the word, the good news, it's been preached to us, we've received it by faith. If this is your identity as a Christian, you've been a taster of goodness, and if his goodness and grace is a living reality in your life, then 1 Peter tells us two things follow. One, there is uh, sin that you will avoid, and secondly, there is a word that you are going to crave and desire. First, the sin to be avoided. Verse 1, So put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. As one has said, reborn children of God ought to exhibit their new life in their daily conduct. Put away. Uh, this is language of uh, wearing, wearing clothes, actually. It is ta- it put off these garments. Uh, the Apostle Paul uses this kind of language in Ephesians 4 and in Colossians as well. Uh, take off these garments of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy uh, and all slander. Why would you do that? Well, because once you have tasted that the Lord is good, this stuff you'll want to spit out of your mouth. You know, once you've tasted a dish from a master chef, you'll not want to go back to the food you cooked up at university in your dorm room. At least I don't. You know, my main meals at university, cooked by fellow male students, you know what, it seemed like food at the time. But let me tell you, when I got married and tasted real food, I did not want to go back to university food. Like Paul uh, in Ephesians 4, 22, Colossians 3, 9, Peter uses the language of removing clothes. A Christian has a new wardrobe as well as a new appetite. Three times he uses that adjective, all comprehensive. Malice. Malice is the opposite of love. Remember, he's just told us that when, you, when you're born again by the word of God, you have a genuine, sincere love for the brothers. So you put away malice. Malice is wanting to do any kind of harm. Any kind of harm to others. You take that off. You take off deceit and hypocrisy. Someone said deceit and hypocrisy are are twin sisters. In Acts 13, there's a fellow called Elymas, the magician. And he starts following the apostles, but at one time the apostle turns to him and says, you are full of deceit. Full of deceit. That means full of trickery. (laughs) You don't have any heart for the Lord. You you are seeking to deceive others. And you're a hypocrite, right? You put on that mask to cover who you really, you really are. Uh, the Pharisees were hypocrites. These people said, Jesus, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You put that away when you've tasted that the Lord is good. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to wear a mask. You already know the, the Lord knows you're a sinner. You already know that the Lord receives you by his grace. You don't have to pretend anymore. Envy, you put that away. You take off those clothes. That is, you're not jealous of others. When someone else does well, you're not thinking, oh, I wish that was me. 
I wish they, wish they would, maybe they'd run into trouble. You know, I wish it wouldn't go so well with them. Again, it's the opposite of, of what God's word plants in your heart. Love for others. Envy says, I, I wish they had less. I wish they would fall. And slander, all slander, slander is actually in the plural in the Greek. It means all evil speakings. It means back chat. It means to speak against somebody. It means to disparage somebody. It means to run down somebody. You ever heard that, that expression where you run down somebody with your words? It's a really good word picture. This is what a Christian puts away, the thought that, uh, you know, let's say you're driving in your car and, and, uh, and you see somebody on the street and you say, I, I'm going to run over this guy. You know, and you aim your car and you, and you run them down. And the Bible says, well, you can do that, not physically with your car. You know you'd go to jail. But you could, you could do that with your words. You could do that with your thoughts. You just run somebody down. You just keep saying in your mind to, about somebody else, they're this, they're this, they're this, they're this, they're out, and they're this. They're... And you run them down. And if you had a car, and if you could drive, all of that... All of that, says Peter, if you've tasted that the Lord is good and gracious and kind, you take off all those clothes and you put them, uh, you put them away. Think about this. You don't, and and, and Paul's not, or Peter's not saying that you don't fight against them. He says, lay them aside. Put them away. It means to get rid of them. Uh, you know, what do you do with your old clothes, for instance? Uh, imagine, uh, you know, imagine having clothes two sizes small or two sizes too big. They've got rips and tears and stains. And you, but you've got a closet full of beautiful new clothes. Um, imagine the oddity of um, you know, choosing to pull out and wear the, the ripped, the torn, the stained clothes uh, and, and, uh, that don't even fit you instead of the clothes that are filling your closet. Um, don't keep them near at hand, says Peter. Throw them out. Now, this is important because the Bible's saying here that the Christian life is not a passive life. But an active life, you have to put off. And that's what the Apostle Paul says many times in his letters. Put off the old and put on the new. You are in Christ, but that doesn't mean you sit back and just, uh, you've got nothing to do. That's not what the Bible says. It says you work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who's at work in you, right? So you are active and Peter says, if, if you've tasted God's good and gracious and kindness, put away all that stuff. All that sin, everything that's the opposite of love for all these folks. Get it out of your life. Because you know, he is good. And so, there is sin to be avoided. And having told us then, if you've tasted that the Lord is good, uh, what to put away, the apostle goes on to tell us, what we must desire. Verse 2. Like, I think I heard one, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now what this really means is unadulterated milk, uncontaminated milk. Milk, pure milk, true food. So Peter says, just like newborn babies crave their mother's milk, the child of God craves the milk of the word of God. You need to be such a baby. Be such a baby. 
who craves the pure spiritual milk. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched a baby crave its mother's milk. Uh, all you parents have. The baby's eager. The baby's not indifferent. Uh, the, baby, the baby expends energy seeking out that milk. And babies need pure milk. You don't give a baby Coke to drink in his bottle. At least I hope you don't. If you're an uncle, you may have tried it. But don't do that. Don't do that. If you did, there would be serious consequences. And likewise, the Christian who has tasted of the goodness and graciousness of the Lord does not grow and feed upon anything less, says Peter, than the pure word of God. Now, here's the thing. That word pure, this word pure uh, only appears once in all the New Testament, right here. In Greek, that's called a hapax legomenon, a word used only once. But its opposite is in verse 1. It's the word deceit, which means to decoy or to trick somebody. So this word pure, the pure spiritual milk, is the true, genuine milk. Anything else will have serious consequences, and we know why, because we read at the end of chapter 1 that all flesh is like grass, it's glory like the flower grass, grass withers, flower falls. The word of the Lord remains forever. I need that one. I need that milk that lasts forever. Forever. And we are commanded to, to long for it. Long for the pure spiritual milk. It's the word uh, craving, actually. Uh, the word craving. We're to long uh, for that uh, wonderful milk that the Lord provides uh, to us. Well, what if that desire is not there? What if a baby is not desiring his mother's milk? Well, listen to how one parenting expert diagnoses this problem. There are mechanical reasons that can prevent newborns from latching on and sucking well at the breast. These include tongue tie, baby having a high palate or receding chin, or pain from birth trauma. In other words, there can be things at birth that make it difficult for you to crave that milk. They go on, seeking professional help is important as a hungry baby is likely to become distressed leading to poor sleep and further feeding problems that baby needs help. This is why positive support during the early weeks of breastfeeding is so important for successful outcomes. You need the church. Babies go through a growth spurt at around six weeks of age, and after this developmental period, babies are more alert and aware of their surroundings. This itself, says this parenting expert, can pose problems for breastfeeding. Your curious little one may be easily distracted meaning that feeding takes a back seat. This can be a particular problem as he gets older, too. Babies can be easily distracted, even when they're older, and neglect to eat. And then they say this, if this is the case, you may find it necessary to go somewhere quiet to complete a feed or to drape a feeding wrap over your baby Intolerance or allergy symptoms can also be present in baby if your milk contains substances he has problems with, followed by hunger and poor sleep. The cycle continues. Be alert, says this parenting expert, to any family history of allergy or intolerance and seek professional dietary guidance if you think there might be a problem. I think this could have been a commentary on these verses. Oh, we're born with trouble eating. 
that and drinking that milk. We need help. We're easily uh, distracted. Uh, sometimes we just we need to go. We need to go somewhere quiet, so we're not distracted by the world. Word to take it in. And we've got continuing problems. We've got an allergy. We've got an intolerance. Often, to what we find uh, in that milk. Well, friends, in fact, newborn babies act as if their life depends on the next feeding. You ever seen that? Where a baby will just start wailing? I need food! Is the translation that I... And they they wail. Peter's not just talking about new converts. He's giving a vivid picture of the longing for nourishment in the life of of every believer. Remember the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians 2.7? He says to the church in Thessalonica, he says, I came, the Apostle, I came among you as a nursing mother. You say, Paul, that's kind of, what? Yeah. The Apostle, because he was preaching the word, was like a nursing mother to them because they were, they were nursed by the word. That was brought. Long for Crave, says Peter, intensely desire. Paul uses this word all over the New Testament. Sometimes he'll say, I long to be with the brothers. Same word. I crave to be with you. 2 Corinthians 5, he says, I, I long for my, my heavenly body. You know, this body's got so much trouble. I long to be clothed with my heavenly. I crave that. It's used of, of God in James 4, verse 5. When the Bible says this, or do you suppose it's to no purpose that the Scripture says, He, that's God, yearns jealously, that's the word, over the Spirit that He's made to dwell in us. The Bible says God's given you life, God's given me life, and He craves, desires intensely that, uh, that you would and I would respond to Him. He wants us There's an intensity there, and you know the Lord Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And here says Peter, you do that, you crave it, in order that you may grow up into your salvation. God wants us to grow up into salvation. He wants us to be nourished. He doesn't want us to just have one taste of the Word and then come back next year at Christmas. He wants a a constant diet, just like a baby. You don't feed a baby once and say, oh, I'll get to baby next week. No. No, there's a, a constant need there for that baby. There are, in other words, in the Bible, no Peter Pan Christians, you are to crave, desire, long for the Word so that you would grow up into salvation. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, you know, he's given gifts to the church so that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but that we would, we would as each part's doing at work, we would, we would grow up into Jesus. That's a, that is, that we would look more like Jesus How are you and I going to look more like Jesus? Only by being nourished constantly on the ever-living and abiding Word. That is, like pure spiritual milk. 
to us, that nourishes us and helps us to grow. The Christian friend should desire, should have this great uh, uh, craving for more of the Word. More of the Word because the Word brings to us Christ. Why might our faith be weak? Well, our faith might be weak because we're not eating properly, says Peter. I mean, we're not, you're not going to grow up. I mean, what parent, what parent doesn't want to see their child grow? No parent wants to see their child continue to crawl on the floor. They, they feed them and they, and they encourage them. They want them to stand. And they want that child to be able to, to walk and to, and to eat for themselves at the table. They want that child to be able to talk. They want that child to be able to, to, to grow up and go to school and to learn all sorts of things and then to go out on their own and serve and serve and serve. They want them to grow up. And so, says the Bible, this is the Lord's, Lord's plan for the Christian. The Christian who's tasted that the Lord is good and kind and gracious, they crave more spiritual milk so that they will grow in likeness to Jesus Christ. And instead of longing, friends, for pure spiritual milk, even as professing Christians, instead of longing and craving for pure spiritual milk that will grow us into Christ, grow us into salvation, we watch our television 24-7 and never read our Bible. And instead of craving, longing for the pure spiritual milk of the world, word, we long for the next episode on Netflix. We can't wait. Or we long for the, the evening news broadcast or whatever it is to hear our favorite commentator. We long for it. We tape it. Or tape it. We, we record it so we can watch it later. We'll watch it again and again and again. We crave it. And instead of craving the pure spiritual milk of the Word, we crave and long for anything and everything else. And then, and then we wonder why we are not growing up in the Lord. Well, the apostle tells us there will be no growth into salvation. There will be no growth in enjoyment of Christ. There will be no growth in grace unless by God's grace we have this kind of longing, putting away, taking off all those garments of sin because we've been born again through the word and then pursuing, craving, longing for, putting ourselves in the position where we can uh, take in more of that pure spiritual milk. This, friends, is the appetite uh, that the Bible tells us is created in the life of someone who has tasted that the Lord is good. And don't miss this in closing. This, of course, is a a quote, really, from Psalm 34, verse 8. Speaking about Jehovah in Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see. We read it this morning. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, is good. And here the Apostle Peter, without any bones about it, applies those words to Jesus Christ. Because the very next verse goes like this. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, he's talking about Jesus. And so what Peter's saying, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you've tasted and seen that 
Jesus is good, that Jesus is gracious, that Jesus is kind, you will put off these garments of sin and you will crave the Word of God because by it you know the Lord will grow you up into salvation. He will grow you up into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Have you? Have you? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? May it be so. May it be so. For His glory, oh, and for our everlasting good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You are so good. Uh, You are so gracious. And you are so kind. Lord, we hear it in the Bible. We read it in the Bible. We see it in the life of Jesus. We hear it on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. We hear it from our Christian friends that the Lord is good. His faithfulness endures forever. But, oh, Lord, we know that it is only by the work of your Holy Spirit working through your word that we ourselves will taste and see it for ourselves. Oh, Lord, today, may we not leave this place without ourselves confessing in our hearts that we have seen, we have tasted that Jesus is good. Oh, he's so gracious. He's so kind that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And then, Lord, may we put away all that displeases you. Take off those old clothes of sin. And may we then long for more, more of the word, more of Jesus, more of grace, more of salvation, that we would grow up into him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.